0: all right welcome everyone to another episode of we all speak in poems today we're sitting down with ryan Svenson, a trumpeter a uh, music supervisor based in la uh, a newly viral tiktok star <laughs> 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 and uh yeah listeners of the show may recognize his name from uh, our collaboration a few years back uh with Lyta and north and uh yeah how have you been man
1: i'm great um The past 24 hours have been a little wild just because of the video and it going viral. But um, yeah, everything's good on this end. And um, I wanted to thank you first and foremost, because you're one of the first people I I collaborated with a couple of years back where, you know, you were very receptive to me being on the track and me just reaching out by finding you. And so I really appreciate it.
0: For sure. Yeah, I was actually wondering, I was trying to rack my brain around how we first linked up and i think it was actually it might have been through charisma mm. um,
1: i think he might have been a link but at the same time i thought i found you on spotify and i reached out and then it turns out he was a mutual friend i forget the uh, exact yeah. details and then, that would make sense yeah
0: yeah for sure ever ever since then too i've just been going down the rabbit hole of like different horns and stuff i'm really into french horn right now um yeah but yeah we've, we've got to get another track going Oh, yeah. I'm totally
1: down for that, especially with my mic now and everything. I used to have to go to different studios to record because I, for some reason I was so against buying the equipment. I didn't want to deal with all that, you know? Yeah. But my friend kept pushing me and he kept saying, you need to invest in this stuff and be able to do it yourself. And uh, it's definitely paid off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where it's like, in your mind it's such a burden right like it takes up so much room mm. thinking it's too complicated and then what you learn after like a day or a couple hours you're like oh this is great and now you can do it forever you know exactly. without, without
1: hiring a producer I, and stuff i was used to the usb port on my computer and i'm thinking <laughs> yeah. how how are all these things going to go and fit and then yeah. what go like what's the interface and what's all this it's it's very overwhelming at first but then like you said once you get the hang of it smooth sailing
0: yeah, it just starts to, it clicks, right? It just makes sense.
2: Did you yeah, end exactly. up getting the mic just because of the pandemic and everything? It was harder to get into studios?
1: Uh, a thousand percent, Maybe. right? When it hit in March, I just put my foot down and said, okay, I'll make the investment. And yeah. I had a friend just send me the equipment list of what I needed as an entry level. And especially for a trumpet, what kind of microphone is best because it takes a certain kind because it's so loud. Um and I just i no one trained me how to use logic. I just kind of started playing around with it and recorded some stems and got the delivery process all set up and now it's all smooth sailing It's good
2: that's awesome, Absolutely, yeah yeah,
0: I've been wanting to jump into logic for so long, but not being on a Mac system, obviously I can't, but mm-hmm. uh I was even you know thinking about switching over to the Mac systems, but I'm trying to convince myself not to (laughs) you know Uh, again (laughs) it's
1: the leap and just you know it's a whole you're used to we're used to our ways so it's really hard to disrupt and change
0: exactly yeah and i mean getting into it i don't even want to share your credits yet like (laughs) over the past year almost or maybe two years like they've just grown exponentially exponentially um at least with your trumpet playing like obviously your music supervision credits have always been crazy right ever since i first started looking into you and stuff but yeah like your trumpet playing is on industry baby by lil nas x like that is
2: amazing that's mind-blowing
0: you know like (laughs) that's
2: so cool how,
0: how how does that feel to you know i guess technically you can hear yourself on radios all over the place and you know he was on the top of the billboard charts i don't know if he still is but for a while there right
1: yeah he it's consistently been in the top ten since it debuted, and right now it's at number three uh, with Adele at number one and uh, Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber at number two. um the The way it all just went down was very organic and just like you know, us working together or me working with anyone, I was sent the stems late at night. And they're like, yeah, there's a horn part already there, but we just need you to play over it um, because there weren't any real trumpets on it yet. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's Lil Nas. That's cool. And then I didn't know who was rapping in the middle of it. I I was taking some guesses, but they wouldn't tell me who it was. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And I just recorded about 20 layers of me stacking myself and playing the part. And just sent it back. And that was that. And then um, it was funny because about two weeks later, the little Nas X dropped Montero, the trailer. Oh, and, okay. I heard, and I heard it in there. And I was like, oh, wow, this could be big. Um, and I didn't know if that was the lead single or, or even what it was because it was just a little teaser clip. And then when the whole Nike trial got announced. That was pretty funny because I thought he was actually in trouble, but because what he did was he made a shoe with a little bit of his blood in it and (laughs) and it was a Nike shoe and Nike sent him like a cease and desist order. Okay. And that kind of went viral. And then he made this whole marketing play saying like my court date's coming up and I'm really like nervous and scared and on the day of the court date, it's really just the industry baby music video and song drops. Wow.
2: So it was wow. like
1: the, the marketing behind it was just brilliant. And it was all this build up. And then it ended up all just being fun. And the music video is obviously ridiculous and uh, yeah. and so fun to watch. So it, it's just fun to play a little role in it. And I've always been advocating for the value of horns and live music within tracks and especially as there's so many plugins and yeah. ways to mimic instruments that nothing really replicates it. Like the human emotion and tone and even listening to older tracks in the seventies and sixties, you hear trumpet players mess up all the time and it adds that uniqueness to it because so much of the pop music in the two thousands and 2010s are, is like perfect. Yeah. All the snare hits, all the vocals, everything's perfect. So I think that if we could play with um, imperfection a little bit and have it be more of a human emotion, more people connect with it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Whether mm. or not it's you know strings, horn sections, mm. everything, you know, I, I'm I'm an advocate for you know maybe writing and and composing in in VSTs and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. for the final result, you should you should just reach out to somebody, you know. And, chances are in your circle, there's going to be, you know, a trumpet player or, or somebody who knows somebody or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. And that was the toughest part was starting to brand myself through doing collaborations like with yourself where that track took off and it Mm -hmm. got millions and millions of plays and it's rather simple and, um, just establishing a name for myself so that if you ever think of horns, you're like, Oh yeah, Ryan. And then, um, but still, you know, doing my main job because, that's the whole reason i do my main job is i knew it was going to be struggle city just being a a pure musician as a trumpet player in los angeles it's it's really tough out there
0: absolutely so i I wanted to ask you so uh feel free to you know skip past this question or whatever if you don't want to get specifics um but so as the trumpet player on you know an industry baby or whatever other songs um you get uh performance credits right like sort of performance royalties uh or the way how does that work
1: it, yeah absolutely so uh there's the afm which is american federation of musicians and it's the union and pretty much every label is a signature a major label is a signatory of the afm oh. and so there's standard rates set up for these sessions where you'll get a leader rate and then depending how long the session is and depending on how many times you layer yourself um it all affects the payment in different ways. So um, the thing is, and it's a rather unique situation. It's like, I, I get sent these jobs and I don't know where the, some of them don't even ever see the light of day, you know, but when they do hit and they do land, that's when you go through the union and, you know, Have it all processed through that because there are back end royalties through the secondary use fund, the SAG AFTRA fund, where it's it's a kind of a consensus. They take uh, they monitor. I think it's the top ten thousand songs each year, Mm -hmm. and there's a a pot of money basically that of all the royalties for that, and they divide them out based on the success of those songs.
0: Wow, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad. I'm glad that there's some. Um, you know, royalties there for, for the performers and everything. Um, Cause you know, as as somebody who writes a lot of music and gets people people to perform it um, I don't really know much about that, that side of it. Um, yeah. So I, I hope everybody's
1: sort of, it's nice. And then also when, if it gets synced to visual media, mm-hmm. we get uh, a, a cut of that as well. And so um, it's, it's definitely nice to be compensated in that, way and form Um, there's sometimes where there's smaller songs that don't have a label. And I know that my involvement with it, the union would rate would be more than the whole song costs itself. So Mm -hmm. it, and it's like, you need, I want to help out every single type of musician, regardless of the status they're at. And I certainly don't want to bankrupt a a musician who's just coming up and needs horns. And I want to invest in them almost like a penny stock and, rise with them if they're, if they're doing well as, as well. So, Absolutely. um, it's nice to just have that flexibility and be able to play across different genres whenever it's, it's needed.
0: I love that. And I'm glad it's really been working out for, for you, like mm-hmm. with the smaller people and then also, also the biggest artists in the world. Um, it's a really nice balance there. Like it's really just cool to see, you know, some people Thank just you. really go for, uh, the most successful and stuff. and It's, it's nice to hear that you're all for, you know, just good music,
1: right? Watching yeah, people grow. Yeah, that's what I saw. it's all. It's really, and that's what made me go this route is because, you know, one day I was looking at my horn in a practice room and I was thinking, wow, I have to play every note that's going to equate to money and paying rent. And it's like, that's not fun anymore. That's not uh, why I got into this. So, be- met, like, balancing pleasure with um, work. Uh, was gonna be rather difficult with the trumpet. So that's why I was like, I gotta I gotta pivot. And Absolutely. it took a back it took a back seat for a while. But now it's it's definitely a nice supplementary income now.
2: I know yeah. on your Spotify um you have a link to a website called Sound Better. Yeah. Um, How did you get into that? And I have a couple more specific questions. But, yeah, yeah, I just want to start with how you got into Yeah, thanks. Well,
1: first of all, it's funny that you noticed it on uh, um, Spotify because those two companies merged with each other. But uh, it it was announced last month that they, uh, Sound Better bought back their company from, from Spotify. And I think it was a great integration at first. I don't know how much, if it didn't take off that much or if it wasn't that beneficial, but sound better. It's one of those things where I got the setup and my friend told me about the website as well. And there were all these trumpet profiles on there. And it's a website where if you're working on a song, you could go there and find someone with a specialty to finish it, whether they miss, uh, mix it or master it or produce the song itself, or you need a single flute player or a single oh, trumpet wow. player. And you could hire them and you you kind of bid with them as well. Uh, You you send them the the audio file and then I'll send you a quote based on how much work I think it's going to need or what they need. Like uh, the other day I was working on a jazz band section where they wanted trombone and trumpet and they wanted each instrument layered four times. So that's going to take more work and more time. So my quotes adjust depending on it, but... I started doing these jobs and my whole goal was to boost my profile because I was a year late in the game mm. and there were already, it's a, it's like a hierarchy there. There's your review. It's kind of like, just like Yelp, yeah. the more five-star reviews you have, the more traction you're going to get. So I started doing every single job for $50 or less wow, <laughs> just because I needed to boost my profile and get it out there. And I started to, the ball started to get rolling a little bit more and then I increased the price a little bit more and, Uh, yeah, my profile got boosted. And now I'm the the top trumpet provider on there, which is cool. And I've worked in every single continent now across the globe, except for one Antarctica, which, you know, I'm still hoping for if they they (laughs) have a music studio up there. But yeah, I'm connecting with all these people hearing different projects. Some are very specific. Like I need this horn line or some are, I don't even know. I just know that horns need to be on this track. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just record during my lunch break or after work and send the files. And it's like I've gotten more jobs and work through that program, through that website and because of the pandemic than I think ever before. And so that's why when people ask, I think like the monetization of the arts and music and collaborations is really just getting started and the outreach and with all nfts and all this other stuff it's like there's a lot to go around with uh this and it's it's very good technology is very good for us yeah absolutely i feel like
0: yeah music is just starting to get valued um not even music but maybe even music services and stuff like like what you're doing uh it's just starting to get valued more and like we were saying before there's no excuse now with these tools to use um vsts right just go to sound better hire you and i mean the turnaround time is probably pretty quick i would assume as well
1: yeah i I pride myself on that because i'll do it in a day or less some people and that's what separates you know the really stellar providers from the other ones it's like you if you have a tailor you want them to turn around your clothes in a week you know you don't want to be waiting a month because um especially when people and it comes to music there's deadlines and processes and stuff so if i could make it a little easier and help add value to it. I'm all for it. Absolutely.
2: Um, I was just wondering, I know I I saw that you had written and I don't know if this is like for all people, like users of sound better, but, or if you wrote this just yourself, um, Mm -hmm. but you said you didn't want your credits in the songs that Mm. you are featured on. Why is that?
1: That's a great question or great point. Um, I, there's different levels of songs that get submitted to sound better and some are just, um, Let's say rather amateur, oh, okay. <laughs> and so the thing is, my I want to control my brand and my IP, and if it's on a track that is, um, you know, rather rough, uh, then I can't have any control over that, and um, I want to be have my name associated with things that I want to put my stamp of approval on. And what happened was, uh, this is a great example. Um, on Spotify, I searched my name because my album was about to come out. So I wanted to make sure how everything looked and my name auto populated on this other album that popped up in front of all my other stuff. And it turns out it was a sound better client who tagged me in his album, even though he didn't seek my approval. He didn't ask, you know, and maybe the, and I'm sure it's all with good intention, right? To give someone credit. However, it, it kind of messed up the algorithm and I had to order a takedown and it becomes this whole thing. So it's, it, t- it really ties into publishing and owning your copyright and, um, being able to control it. It's, um, you know, and that being said, if it is a really solid track or if I do get contacted by a big artist, like I have no problem with them, including my name. It's just, I want to have, uh, control over it and some people ask uh, still even though I have that disclaimer and um, you know it's it's to my discretion if it's to be used or not.
2: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah Yeah. I feel like that's
0: really smart too having control over like you said your brand and and I feel like it's just a smart move for the future
1: you know. Another aspect of it is sometimes I get the song without lyrics and what happens if it's really obscene lyrics or it's a song that's like. You just don't agree with. Exactly. Uh, I don't want my name associated with it and
0: yeah happen. that's and, and yeah. you can still take as many uh jobs as you want and you don't have to worry about yeah, yeah these these issues that may arise that's really smart mm-hmm. exactly. um you mentioned your newest album and i wanted to i wanted to open the episode with yeah. promoting the new album but oh, now, now we've got here <laughs> um So, yeah, you just came out with, like, a new jazz and pop-inspired album called To Elaine. Yes. And we love it. We were listening to it last night. Oh, thank you. Um, Could you sort of tell us more about it? Like, what was the sort of inspiration behind it and all that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. uh, During the pandemic last year, my mom passed away, and I was already working on putting together, like, a debut album. And I thought, what a better way to, like, honor her uh, because she didn't really get a proper send off. It was in June of 2020 and uh, it was just no one, yeah, exactly. Like, I had oh, well. people message me and they're like, how, like, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. We're like definitely not meeting up though, because we don't want anyone else to <laughs> yeah. to, to leave us. So um, I just thought it was a really nice way to uh, honor her. And then also, um, embody a sound and, and a story within it as well. So um, putting together the tracks was also very therapeutic in, in dealing with all that. And so it was uh it was a really nice experience. And I, the main goal of the album was to get my sound more out there as well so that if people looked up my name, they would able, be able to hear me right away because with a lot of the tracks that I've collaborated on, it's kind of, it's sometimes some tracks are hard to hear me or you don't hear me right away, but it's like, this is my, body of work and this is what i'm how i'm sounding right now
2: yeah absolutely that's beautiful i'm so sorry for your loss
1: oh thank you i appreciate that
0: yeah and just the textures that are in the album and like you know there's even some spots of ambient you know maybe pads and stuff and it's super Mm -hmm. cool to hear um what's the writing process like um do you write in the studio or is this actually like a fully
1: intentional sort of writing or I made it all with my buddy, Andre, who's a member of this band gold space. And he's actually, uh, he works at Rick Rubin studio as well. And, um, yeah, I'm super stoked for him. He's, he's crushing it. And we met organically and we're like, yeah, let's like link up. And all of a sudden these ideas just started flowing out and I would play a melody and he would start making the structure around it. And then we would start talking about a bridge and, it was just all so organic and, um, he's a mastermind at uh, a multi-instrumentalist. So all the drums within it are programmed, but, um, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. And then he would do the bass and guitar and piano. And I would, we'd be like going back and forth with each other on where the song should go. And, other things like that and have it evolve and then got some real players on there, a couple uh pianists and a bass player for a couple songs. And I uh, got a flute player for another song actually through sound better. Oh, so nice. yeah. And I just hired her and um, said, Hey, can you improv over this song? And she sent it back in a week. And so um, just utilizing resources and, and having fun with it along the way. And I've released hundreds of albums in my career. So that was relatively easy in terms of the upload process and the marketing i made a a visualizer for every single song because jazz music is really hard to make enticing and aesthetically pleasing so i just wanted to service it the best way possible and every platform's different and has their different you know unique things between apple and spotify and all the others so um Yeah, I just, I had fun with it and it was a, it was just a really fun project to work on.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention the, the sort of visual aspect of it with the, you know, the squiggly lines and the very colorful backgrounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. Was that, was that all your
1: like sort of concoction or. Uh, The, the colors I gave as a guide to uh, Lauren who did all the artwork. Okay. And then she did the pastel background for the, the album. And then. This guy I met on Instagram, Jordan, uh, the visualizer guy, he uh, he just knocked it out of the park with the visualizers because I gave him the colors and then he came up with the concepts and everything. Oh, amazing. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how does this album sort of compare to what you normally listen to? Obviously, this is your like compositional style, Mm. but what you find yourself listening to, is it is it similar? Like sort of jazz and, and pop inspired stuff?
2: Mm,
1: uh, that's a great question. I I listen to a little bit of everything, but I love uh, State of Jazz playlist on Spotify. It's more of new oh, age okay. jazz. Yeah. And the thing is, those jazz players are just like heavy, heavy cats, like gig cats, you know, like they're legit, legit players that mm-hmm. would absolutely school me any day in terms of like <laughs> improv and stuff. But I think that one of my fortes is coming up with melodies and, um, uh, and my, the tone of my trumpet. So I, yeah. and my accuracy. So I try to, uh, bring that to the forefront within my music because there's no way I'm ever going to play like a jazz solo. That's going to rip someone's face off or anything like that. <laughs> uh, that's for you know the Kamazi Washingtons of the world and um, Christian Scotts and all those guys uh, went Marcellus and but um, when I what I listen to is I, I listen to like Taylor Swift and Dave Matthews Band. I listen okay, to Top cool. Forty all the time um, I, and I get submitted so much music so I'm all over the place. It's not a specific thing that I really tune awesome. into.
0: Yeah, true. I, di- I guess I didn't even consider all the music that you have submitted to you with your day job being a music supervisor. That probably influences a lot of what you listen to as well. You probably find a lot of great music and, and, and amateurish music. But, yeah, uh,
1: it's fascinating just how music is presented and how it continues to evolve because our society it goes through a lot of cultural moments. So playlists are curated to that and um yeah, I get pitched, you know, probably over 300 songs a day. And oh. I there's no way I could listen to them all, obviously. and yeah. But it's really great to familiarize myself with the different labels and publishers so that I know who has what music and where to go when I do need it. Because, uh, especially with music supervision, I can't rely on, like, all the music that's in my head. I, I usually reach out to the sync library managers and say, Hey, do you have something in? And I'll send out a, uh, basically a brief asking for for music along certain parameters that I need for certain scenes. Oh, that's really interesting.
0: So I guess getting into music supervision, can you sort of explain to people what exactly that entails? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people might not even realize this is a, a part of the music industry that, you know, artists and everything
1: are praying to you know, yeah. catch to the catch the ears of. Yeah, well, the sync industry in general generates about four hundred to five hundred million dollars in the music industry. So it's it's a small it's actually a, a small aspect of the overall picture if you between performance and live and um, uh, record label revenues and everything else. Um, but it is very important because it's the marrying the marriage of. Uh, music with visual media. So that's between TV, film, video games, anything else. Like anytime you see something on the TV and it has a song behind it, that means it had to be synced to that scene and there's a process that goes into it uh, of licensing it and having it used for that production. And it involves two sides of a song. You have the publishing, which is the underlying composition of a song, and then you have the master which is the actual sound recording. And you have to have both of those sides cleared. And there could be multiple owners of each side. And all it takes is one person to say no or one side to not equal 100%. Mm. And it holds up the whole process. And again, that's the important part about ownership and copyright is that you have a say in these situations and you could negotiate on your behalf. Or if you have a publisher, they can negotiate for you. And it's just a, it's a fascinating uh, field. And some artists are amazing with the sync game. They're more flexible with their prices. Others are very firm, and they might be a legacy artist uh, who's done it all, and they really want to protect their branding and IP, mm. much like I do with my credits. Yeah, uh, sure. And <laughs> they don't need the million dollars to be in a Honda commercial. They don't need... million to be part of Facebook uh, ad campaign, you know, and they have every right to say no and every right to say yes. And um, I think that's one of the amazing parts is that if a artist that you're really seeking says no, luckily there's billions of other songs that exist that you could get in a similar vein or, but again, it, it really shows the value of music because when you have, the, the artist that's also backing the commercial or it's all about brand recognize uh, being able to recognize uh, a song within two seconds you're like oh I know where the rest of this commercial is going or I could trust this brand because I love this song and it makes me feel comfortable absolutely Yeah,
0: yeah I guess this is the part where I have to say to any upcoming artists that are listening to this make sure you have your songs registered properly mm. to SOCAN, to ASCAP to BMI mm-hmm. and to Song Trust now and mm. all, all these publishing things because it's
1: important, you know. Yeah. If, yeah. When opportunities arise, like be ready for it, you know? Yep. And it's that's a great point because uh all the PROs, well ASCAP and BMI, they created something called Songview and it's a database of all the oh. songs uh within both of their repertoires. Wow. And it's how I research a ton of songs if I need to find who wrote it and who the publishers are. And then I go to reach out to them to clear the song. And if you don't have your information in there, it just makes it so much harder. And you're really just, um, they're so easy to register within, within those as well. So I think that's great advice on your end and really important to do. Do you, do you find when you're looking for tracks
0: and stuff, do you find yourself favoring um tracks that are registered
1: with a publisher rather than independently published absolutely and the reason why is because i'm working under deadlines i have to present music rather quickly to directors and producers for approval and i can't be mingling around and trying to get an artist set up within a pro or to make sure like, are you sure you don't you didn't use any samples or do, are you sure you didn't, mm. um, collaborate with anyone that didn't sign off on this? Um, it's almost too risky. And, um, usually the most efficient artists and producers already have all that hammered out. And that's why all these, uh, publishers exist and and uh production houses music production houses exist because they they know that everything in there might be pre-cleared and that it's going to be an easier process and um that but that's not to say that if a really strong track you know comes across my desk it's not worth pursuing it it Mm -hmm. is especially if i've had sometimes where a director has sent me a track and the artist has like 10 followers, you know, and has no idea, uh, what any of this means or has it ever seen a a sync license before or knows what they're going to sign away or anything like that. Um, so, uh, it's nice to not have to hold someone's hand through that process, but I'm I'm obviously willing to do it if need be.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like, especially if a director is sort of pushing for it. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's really interesting hearing hearing from you because I, I know a lot of artists are sort of against signing away their publishing mm-hmm. uh, um
1: you know. And yeah, and credits. you could do an admin deal with someone and not have to give away your publishing. It's just it depends where you're at in your career because an advance for some and a million dollar advance for someone could really come in need and Um, they could, you know, it all depends if they could recoup it rather quickly or not. And Mm -hmm. there's just so many different factors, uh, involved in an artist specific situation. But I think that's why you continually hear from people that, oh, I got taken advantage of. And it's like, well, um, maybe, I mean, there are snake salesmen out there with any career and any industry, but, um, It's why it's why it's really important to like take a seat back. We know your song's trending, but uh, maybe like hire a really good lawyer to look over these things. Yeah, always hire a lawyer. Yeah, but also artists—they're very rarely. It's it's very rare for an artist to have a career trajectory over a decade that really Mm -hmm. sustains in the spotlight. So it is a kind of a short grab type thing. But we're seeing the emergence and resurgence of people's catalogs through TikTok uh, and other platforms um, where they could be right back on the charts again. You know, I mean, Thriller always re-enters the charts uh, every yeah, Halloween. And uh, all it takes is um, look at Fleetwood Mac with TikTok and how that song blew up. And then they start performing at festivals again and everyone's talking about them. So it's pretty amazing to see what's what's going on right now Absolutely.
0: I, I love hearing this from from your point of view because you really have a unique um yeah
1: point of view it's yeah one that I never get to hear about you know um it's it, super interesting I I was just going to mention you know talking about the value of a song prior to it really exploding when little town wrote uh, uh old nos old town what is it
2: <laughs> little
1: Nas old town road yeah yeah okay Thanks. thank you uh when that started to really take off Um, we used it in Rambo trailer and got it for a really good price, but that was prior to it being number one on the charts for 19 weeks. So if you could get in early, sometimes it really ends up paying off and your, whatever it's attached to can grow with it.
0: Absolutely. I guess
1: that's where it comes in handy to be sort of,
0: um, not a tastemaker, but also just, like, on the pulse, you know. Yeah, and ear too. to the
1: ground, and the labels mm-hmm. will tell you, like, this artist is about to blow up. <laughs> you know, yeah, they yeah. say that a lot. But sometimes they're they're right, and they see the metrics of their social following, and, like, Kid Leroy, I mean, just absolutely took off. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's really cool. Amazing. Yeah.
2: Um because you were speaking about tiktok i just want to ask oh, no. how did that happen <laughs> yeah oh man it's what crazy what happened there
1: it's been yeah. two days of this yeah
0: I, uh,
1: let me see as i just posted a new video so i don't know how it's doing yeah, right now we <laughs> just saw it right yeah, before this <laughs> hairy cactus styles uh, it's like what am i doing I, you know i'm but so interested like, in
2: these tact these cactus things like what are they yeah <laughs> why don't they all respond <laughs> it's really I interesting
1: it, i don't know if i'm getting these are getting better each one okay <laughs> That's uh, So the video got 27 million views in one day. Whoa. Yeah.
0: I and what happened was, 16.
1: I was I was just browsing TikTok. And then there was this uh, lady who had a daughter or, I guess, an infant baby child and uh, put the cactus in front of it. And the cactus started imitating everything the baby would say, and the baby just started bawling, crying, and freaking oh. out. And, <laughs> and so I laughed, and all the comments were like, ha, ha, ha. You know, it was, it was funny. And I just thought, hmm, what would my trumpet sound like through this? <laughs> and so I went to Amazon, and I bought one. And then I filmed myself using it for the first time, and I posted it, and I got like 3 million likes. And then uh, – I immediately went to Amazon and bought seven more because <laughs> I was thinking like a, a cactus choir would be pretty yeah. funny. And then, uh, yeah, I, I also bought a cactus out cause I thought like, what could make this even more ridiculous? Oh, me wearing a cactus outfit, you know? So I got it and then they all sound the same like little minions and, yeah. uh, And then they start a feedback loop with each other when one doesn't hear. And then it just, it gets to utter chaos. And they keep going, they just keep going. So I filmed the one today a couple of times, but I messed up a couple of times. And it sucks because you have to turn every single one off and turn them back on. (laughs) And you have to be very quiet around them because if one makes a a sound, then it'll trigger all of them. And you're just like, no. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs)
2: That's hilarious.
1: And so it took off and, I like I'm getting messages from people all over the world, which is hilarious. And someone's like, you should like, you should play with little Nas." And I don't think they they're making the correlation that oh, I have pl- so cool. played on the track, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I go on today and, I, and it's like, Billie Eilish has liked your post. Yeah. so Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. What did that awesome. feel like? <laughs> it was cool because, uh, you know, she brings people so much joy through her music and I, I assume and hope she, I mean, the, the cool part is the videos received overwhelming positive feedback. Not one person has said anything negative about it. Everybody's just laughing, having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Even my dad who I sent it to, he's like, that was funny. Like I showed it to my (laughs) friends and they laughed (laughs) and yeah. And so someone's saying like, I'm going to just say this whenever I have a bad day and all these other little things. And so it's like, that's cool. That's that it made uh, some people's days and it made yeah. everyone happy and it's like I had a blast doing it. I mean, yeah. how could you not have fun wearing a
0: cactus outfit?
2: You know? Yeah, I
0: love how you're just like sort of doubling down on it. You know, like getting yeah, seven and then like getting the cactus. Soon. This path
1: chose me. You know, I don't know if I could get more gigs out of it. I got like uh, I'm at 140,000 followers now on TikTok and wow, uh, <laughs> but it's it I, it's I don't know. Because the I know the day when I post another music supervision video, they're going to be like, where's the cactus? You know, everyone's yeah. just going to get, so I've kind of, whatever, I got to yeah. just do me. And
2: yeah,
0: that's going to be really interesting to see, actually. Um, <laughs> I hope people stick around on yeah. it. Obviously, not all of them will, because like you said, they're expecting that. But I hope that it maybe you're able to shed some light on people that didn't even know this this sort of stuff existed. And, and all yeah. that. maybe you'll inspire some people to become or pursue music business or something like that. Even if it's one person, that's pretty cool.
1: I want to start doing something in the vein of having people pop into like a YouTube series or a show where I'm hosting it live and then they play and I'm able to critique and give feedback on their career and trajectory because, as you know, and we've seen so many people in this industry, a lot of them are just rather delusional and they haven't been told best practices or what to do or where they're at. Uh, because every family member is like, yeah, keep going, you're doing good. But (laughs) some people have these aspirations to play Madison Square Garden and uh, there's nothing wrong with just being like a local player or infiltrating Mm -hmm. your local market and the average salary for musicians, you know, $30,000 a year, only um, 7,500 artists make above 100K or more on Spotify every year. I yeah. didn't know
2: those numbers. Wow. Yeah,
1: seventy five hundred. So if you think about that, that's including bands, and sometimes bands have six people. So yeah. if you're a band of six people, and that's hundred k, that's still not above you know thirty k a year. And um, what I'm saying is, it's you know it's tough. It's tough to monetize the arts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so um, either you have to have that a, a special talent from an early age, or really have your repertoire down and your your ducks in order and uh, the music industry and business as a whole is often looked at as a oversight or uh, oh that'll come later but mm-hmm. people don't study it before diving into it and i think if they did they would understand the risk more and be able to assess that you know 7500 people may you know making the 100k well how many people in the US make over 100k that figures more around, I think it was, thirty, or twenty-four million people.
2: Wow. So
1: point zero 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 four percent make, you know, what the if I told you that getting on a plane, you'd have a point zero 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 four percent of survival. Would you get on it? Of course yeah. not. <laughs> true. True. So what makes you special, and what's going to make you shine through, you know, the the crowd?
0: Exactly. I think I think that's something that I love about you know. Um, The sort of circles I'm in ambient music and stuff like Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's getting into it to make a lot of money unless unless they have aspirations to get on, you know, certain big playlists. But even that's not sort of sustainable, maybe over the next 10 years. I don't I don't know. But um, I think that's something that's good. Everybody's just slowly building and learning. And it's super just helpful you know as an artist that's coming up not to have huge expectations just do what you're loving to do yeah and because if you're looking for anything else other than just having fun learning you're going to get disappointed you don't reach your goals right exactly absolutely i guess that's something also that you sort of have an advantage of being in the music industry or music business industry and then sort of starting to really focus on on your trumpet playing and stuff like you already know the sort of technicalities of what needs to be done and how to have all your eggs in the basket for when opportunities do come up you know exactly how to be ready for it right
1: yeah especially with the latest viral video i could understand how i've been behind a ton of campaigns where they do go viral because we have a whole publicity department behind it and it's all set up and it's arranged and you execute and then you see all the results trickle in. But for someone who's not used to that type of fame or who doesn't know where to navigate in after it happens, uh, you know, the consequences can be disastrous. Um, One person in particular is Rebecca Black that Mm -hmm. I can think of. I mean, she had an international platform available for her, not in the best light, but that means you could only go in – The other direction, which is a positive one. If you have Mm -hmm. the right team behind you, her story, if you look into it, she had a corrupt manager who uh, was actually, you know, the way it works is if you're a manager, you take 15% of a client's uh, um, you know, the deal could be structured, however, but it's typically 15%, but she was making people pay an upfront fee or a monthly retainer. And, uh, that it's, it's rather predatory towards, you know, aspiring artists who are dumping all their cash into this person and not really delivering. And it's like the manager and there's laws against it. And she actually got sentenced and made an example of, but it just goes to show you, you know, um, your team means everything. And it's really important to have a manager that could process that information and these offers coming in and guide you to the next level of your career and trajectory. Um, it's real, it's just really important and there's not many people out there who have the wherewithal or or who know how to do that or handle these things or be efficient with their responses and know who's who and know what's best for their clients. So, um, that being said, there are a ton of good people as well. So it's, it's just tough to, um, it takes a little bit to navigate and find your the right place. But, um, yeah, it's crazy out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is.
0: The stories that I've heard are just, are kind of nuts. But um, it's funny. I, I feel like th- this podcast has kind of gone backwards from our usual. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> normally we start with like, you know, the history, how yeah. you picked up the trumpet and stuff. Oh, okay. And then we get into all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. I love how like sort of flowing this, this is. And yeah. I hope... Uh, yeah, it's good. We're not cutting too much into your time. I don't know if you have oh, a time no. limit. No, okay. No, okay. Cool. Um, with that being said, I do want to get into sort of your history. Um, when did you pick up the trumpet for the first time? Like, what were the reasons there?
1: Yeah, it was it was in fifth grade, and I was in public school, and they just had all the instruments laid out in front of us, and I. I chose the trumpet because it looked like it was the easiest to play because of just the three valves. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's not going to be hard at all to do. So you see a saxophone with all the keys and you're like, that's no way. turns out that's like 10 times easier, but, um, uh, so yeah, I just started playing and there's a bunch of times where I wanted to quit because it's, it's tough to break through these different barriers of it, but I just kept at it. And, um, I realized I had to choose between swimming and trumpet to get into a good university because oh. my great, I was just an average student. So, um, I got better at trumpet and in high school, I joined a couple youth orchestras. My junior year, I joined this one called the peninsula youth orchestra up in the Bay area. And then my senior year, I joined the California youth symphony. And both of those included tours each summer, the tour for my junior year, we went to, Spain and France it was really cool and played in these chapels and uh, amazing places and then uh, senior year I went to China and we played all around uh, Beijing and a couple other places and so that was a great experience and it made my orchestral chops up to where they needed to be for when I auditioned for college.
0: Wow so you continued playing like I feel like by the end of elementary school, when you kind of don't have to take a music class anymore, a lot of people opt not to, Mm -hmm. um, did you just find yourself enjoying it or were you just really good at it naturally or not really good, but were you taking up naturally or, or what made Uh, you continue?
1: Yeah. Uh, it was just always a fun thing to do. Um, it was just resonating with me and I loved the sound of it and what it could do to, to songs and I always loved jazz band and, and playing in that and uh, hitting starting to hit high notes and all the immature things that you start to do with <laughs> trumpet, you know, being loud and stuff. And then, um, but I've always viewed it as having the capabilities of blending and having the softness of a violin because when you ever think of trumpet, you always think of like loud and blasting. Mm-hmm. and But uh, my approach has always been like, more behind the scenes stuff. So I just wanted to keep at it. And each place I went to had a program for it, like my middle public middle school. And then I went to private high school and then college was public college. And, um, just was having a blast, but it was my, my junior year. My professor just sat me down and said, Hey, uh, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. Oh, and it, it was a tough conversation, but I was really thankful for it because, um, it allowed me to pivot to be behind the scenes in the industry, which is where uh, I'm really happy at. So it was, uh, it was, it was good. It was a good conversation to have.
2: That's really good. But at at the same time, like, do you ever think back and feel like maybe if you like didn't hear that and continued pushing yourself that you could have gone there? Like, do you feel like that conversation almost made you take a step back and go like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be putting, so much time and effort because I'm not going to make it. Or... Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I changed my whole trajectory. And
2: oh,
1: wow. I, yeah, I, I, that year I got an internship that summer and I really pivoted away from the trumpet um, because I just knew it was going to be so hard to land an orchestra job or to sustain by playing the trumpet. Like you have yeah. to proactively always look for gigs. And then you see what happened during the pandemic. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just devastating for every single musician because yeah. all, all the gigs dried up. Um, the LA Phil, even they stopped playing and had to reduce salaries. So it's like, Holy crap, you know? Yeah. Um, I imagine being part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Private lessons. It's like you're yeah. in the room with someone. I, I know a lot of, orchestral teachers it's like you can't conduct that over zoom a choir or an orchestra you gotta be in person and uh, so that was just in hindsight it was a really good move because everyone I mean I wanted to tour with some band you know but every single touring artist that I meet who wants to get into scoring music always wants to abandon being on the road now after Mm -hmm. they've done it for like 10 years just because it's physically taxing you have the time zone changes you're in a different city they might have a family that they want to start and they're on the road you can't do that so yeah. it's there's all these different factors in the life that you want to live for sure
2: yeah as someone who's in uh, music supervision you haven't done any scoring before have you have no you? i have not no. scored is that something that you're interested in getting into or you kind of just like the position you're in now
1: yeah i like Mm -hmm. where i'm at now um i'd be happy to play on a score i there's a couple there's one film in particular called nebraska that had an amazing uh score with trumpet lace all throughout it that i thought was so really really cool yeah one of my favorite films as well um and uh but i leave that for the professionals like again it's like the difference between me playing and the the top tier jazz guys. It's like, I I have a basic understanding and I know what's going on, but the, the, the composers that I've worked with are just, they're magicians really. Uh, Yeah. They're so efficient and um, so skilled and, you know, they've put in the work. Like I've, I've been putting a lot of work music supervision wise. So I feel very competent on that end. And one of the things I do for my job is I'm a translator. I take what, producers and directors are saying and then tell the composer in his language and vice versa because sometimes they don't know how to describe things or they want to articulate something a certain way but they can't really do it or they'll confide in me because they it might be too harsh to tell the composer Mm -hmm. so um when it comes to all the score cues and reviewing them and making revisions i'm the point of contact and taking all those notes and processing them to the composer.
0: That's really interesting. So uh, as a supervisor, you're not only, you know, getting syncs and licensing tracks for it, uh, yeah. but you're actually uh working with the composer of the film as well? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Um, it it varies on every film. Sometimes the composer will be in direct contact with the director and it's like a seamless thing, but some other yeah, it's projects it's been for for me. Yeah some other projects there needs to be an intermediary to that's cool to make sure like not unreasonable things are being asked for and that um everything's on course and on pace absolutely i think that'd be so helpful even just looking back on my
0: uh scoring jobs and stuff i wish there was a somebody in between me and the director sometimes because that's the
1: thing i'm i'm happy to take the hit you know between either party as well and like shoot shoot me shoot the messenger i don't want yeah. i i just want to keep the peace among everyone as yeah. well and uh, keep, yeah that uh, keeps the sure, quality there of the final product sure, yeah. right make sure we all make it to the finish line as <laughs> yeah. as one yeah.
2: yeah um so out of all the movies that you've been a part of what do you think would be your favorite or at did, least most proud. Yeah, most proud. So <laughs> the
1: the interesting thing is I've only been a music supervisor now for two years. When I was oh. at Lionsgate, I was more on the marketing side of soundtracks and scores. Oh.
0: So I, I
1: saw what music, supervision, music supervisors did, but I never licensed a song or cleared a song or did any of that stuff. So um, my capacity in the projects are different, but in terms of a a favorite one where I like really stepped up and started to embody more work. And I felt like the point contact was La La Land. Uh, there was just so many different products between the soundtrack and the, the digital and the vinyl and the score digital vinyl. And then we had a special box set and I was handling a lot of the marketing materials and the publicity around the soundtrack, which was really important. And, um, Yeah, it it ended up being kind of the perfect storm between the film doing well and the music doing well and uh, being involved in the campaign from its inception through the awards uh, uh, campaign. So that's Mm -hmm. basically three years if you include principal photography. So that overseeing that whole thing was, was pretty cool. And when you're in it that much, you don't really know the cultural significance of it. So, one of the best ways to do it is by going to the events that like, Airbnb hosted. Uh, they have this annual event each year where they host it in a different city. And that year they hosted it in LA. And one of the things they did was they integrated La La Land screening in it, a special advanced screening. Cool. And, and we hired a jazz band to perform prior to the screening and everything. But some people showed up in the Mia and Sebastian outfits. And you see everyone, like, super excited and and wearing, uh, you know, the ties. And uh, that's when you know, like, okay, your work is being seen and heard. And I saw a couple debates on Facebook between friends, between Moonlight and La La Land. And you're just like, oh, okay.
0: It's it's
1: cool to, like, just play a little part in all that, you know?
0: Yeah. Man, that's amazing. I feel like as somebody, I mean, both of us love film and stuff. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's such an exciting... Career path yeah. to be in, like being able to see, I, like you said, being in it, you sort of don't see the impact that some of these movies make, but just being able to say, like you know, you were part of La La Land f- from the beginning, from the inception almost of the film, like that's
1: really ri- like that's a legendary. Yeah, almost, right? <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you. And the more recently, what I've done um, with like Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard until Death and the protege and jolt um those i've all music supervised and it, it was just a lot of fun because you're working with new people new directors new producers every film and new music needs like till death's a thriller uh hitman's wife's bodyguard is action and comedy the protege is more action um packed so action drama so all these different films require different needs in music and period pieces uh or um the protege uh it's based some of it's based in vietnam so it's like you have to figure out how you're gonna secure music of that genre and um till death like one scene um megan fox drops a vinyl player uh, a needle on a vinyl player and it's like it's up to me to find out what song yeah. that's gonna be for, oh, for, you know and so Luckily for that one, I found a, a pretty cool authentic 1960s track um, and it fit great in there it took a little bit to get there with the director, but he ended up liking it so um, yeah it's 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 just uh, it's a fun process and I'm still learning a lot as well, which is great. that's amazing it's just so
0: so interesting to hear I love it. Um, g- going back, you said in your junior year, your teacher said, whatever but was that your junior year of college or college school okay college College, yeah yeah Uh, what did you actually go to college for what was your sort of um, trumpet performance oh Oh, wow okay yeah a music major oh cool i didn't know that i thought it was for like some sort of music business of some sort
1: no Uh, and that's the other thing is the school didn't even have a music major or minor when i went there in terms of music industry and that's why usc has excelled so much is because they really got on top of that and uh what happened recently was herb albert uh made a very generous donation to ucla so now it's the herb albert school of music and it's its Mm -hmm. own school within ucla now and they revamped the curriculum and they're updating it and now there's a music industry major and minor which is great and um I'm on the board of alumni there, and we're just trying to beef up the awareness of the school a little bit more and make it uh, compete with that school across town to uh, <laughs> to be like, you know, we put out awesome alumni. We're in a the epicenter of the music industry. And we want people to be teaching there and bringing in the you know industry leaders who are able to um, lead. Bruins who are graduating with awesome internships and good jobs as well.
0: Absolutely. Did, did I read today that you are actually going to be teaching a course there?
1: Yeah. So uh, there's UCLA Extension, which is open to anyone who wants to apply to it. And it's a music supervision course. I'm going to be teaching for 11 weeks. Um, oh, wow. And it's three hours a week at the UCLA campus. Uh, and I'm going to be teaching all about music supervision from what it is, the process, what you go through, scenarios that you encounter. I want students to come away knowing how to, where to go to find music, how to clear it, um, and to understand the process so that if they ever get hired as a music supervisor, they'll know exactly what to do and how to uh, accommodate any budget or, or need for a piece of visual media that they're working on. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. That must be so Thank exciting. you. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah the, the game plan is to create a curriculum so I could take it to other places and teach it at, you know, different universities or wherever else, uh, you know, uh, just as it's it's really nice because it allows me to connect with other people and to advocate on behalf of music supervisors and, and teach a craft that I think is rapidly growing and and needed. Yeah, yeah it's very, it's important to, like, you know, the
0: music makes the film sometimes. Yeah. A lot of the time, right? When
2: you when you first got into this career, did you ever imagine yourself teaching about it? Like,
1: I wanted to teach, but I wasn't. I didn't know it was going to be about music supervision. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you
2: were interested in in teaching before? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay. It's just like I was like, well, what am I going to be able to talk about yeah. for that <laughs> for that long? But now I finally have something to talk about for that long
0: yeah for sure yeah oh that's amazing (laughs) oh I love I love it your whole story is just so inspiring and I hope anybody listening to to this podcast is taking it seriously because you you know you're the epitome of like
1: success almost in Uh, my book like it's too kind I mean uh there there's definitely some bumps along the road like I got I, I got fired from United Talent Agency I got let go from Lionsgate and it's like you could either let those things really let you down or continue to rise, rise through those like, you know, situations. And luckily it's, it's worked out, but um, just always projecting a positive attitude about it, I think is needed and transparency in the music industry is needed because as you know, and I know it, it has a bad stigma a lot of times and there just needs to be people that champion for it.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think, exactly you you take every opportunity positively and and oh, obviously you know in the macro sense maybe in the micro sense you sort of you know worry about things and all that but yeah of course in, in the macro sense, i cry you, you take 23 advantage. hours of the day but you know, <laughs> see me happy for you know, <laughs> oh man just a little bit um to sort of slowly wrap it up um do you have any other hobbies outside you know music in your career like i know you're a swimmer uh, yeah. an avid swimmer yeah um Do you want to talk about that all? Because I I feel like that's really cool. Like you don't really hear about many people swimming as a hobby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that was one of the things I had to abandon quite a bit to pursue trumpet. And I didn't do it all throughout college. And then I really wanted to find a better way to work out than the gym and running. So I went back to swimming at, um, and I found out there's a thing called master swim program across the whole nation. And luckily Southern California is very involved in it. So there's one in Santa Monica where I was living at the time. So I joined the swim team there and they host it at like five in the morning, six in the morning, and then six at night and seven at night. And it's an hour of swimming and you, there's a coach there They give you a set and then you swim with everyone else. And you could just hop into, you know, whatever class you want depending on your schedule. And then, uh, during the pandemic, I ended up moving. So I go to Irvine and swim there. And it's another, it's a different swim team, but, uh, they're very intense. And when I went in the first, I didn't swim for a year and a half because of the pandemic. And when I went back for the first time, I was like, Oh my God, it was the hardest thing. I I thought I was going to die. Like I, I left the workout early, 40 minutes in and I was like, I am so above my head. I don't know if it's because i I bought a Peloton during the the <laughs> pandemic, but okay. I thought I I thought I was like I was like, what the hell's going on, you know? Oh. But but it I've been doing it now for uh, it's been six months, and uh, I'm back, so that's good. Nice,
2: that's amazing. But yeah,
1: it just shows you with practice how. Uh, out out of shape you could get you know <laughs> 100% yeah <laughs> i know that personally um
0: yeah and i remember when when you know we made uh late and north i learned that you did the swim to alcatraz mm-hmm. and i thought that was like i was so stuck on this fact <laughs> that you swam to alcatraz cuz you know as a kid with alcatraz being in Um, pop culture and, you know, the Tony Hawk pro skater games and all this stuff. Like I was (laughs) obsessed. I was like this abandoned prison that people tried to escape and I was like obsessed with it. So when I heard that you did that, I was just like, you can do that. (laughs) I didn't even know this was possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny Uh, when you hear about it, it sounds really daunting, but then when you uh, look into it, I mean, no one has ever been bitten by a shark in the Bay area. Mm. So that's comforting at least. <laughs> but then there's there's a YouTube video of a seal that gets killed and eaten right at Alcatraz. And it's on camera because it's uh, the boat camera is, and you just see the water turn bright red. Oh my God, and, like yeah. a scene from Jaws. <laughs> it really, it is, yeah. And what happens is it's usually a juvenile great white that just swims in there and it's misguided and then, obviously because pier 39 they have all the seals there so that's like mm. just like a little feeding ground for them but uh when you're around 500 other swimmers uh you're pretty good you're you'll be fine it's just like the for current sure. it's hard to swim against and um i i've done it three times so i don't know how oh, many wow. like if i want to do it anymore it was fun <laughs> How long is that? it's a mile and a half okay. so the thing is it t- the first time I did it, I, it took like 38 minutes. The second time was 35. And the third time I did it in 29 minutes. Wow. So I, I was getting better because of my master's swimming. But my master's swimming, each workout's an hour. So it's really not that hard because I'm always I'm swimming oh, for shit. an hour continuously four times a week. And so doing that, it's a race. Like I'm swimming hard the whole time. But it's really, it's not that hard. It's it's not as like crazy as it sounds. But what I will say is I've been watching a ton of Everest documentaries. I'm not going to mm. do, I will never climb Everest or any mountain for that matter. <laughs> but that is what fascinates me. Is that. Absolutely, yeah. 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 The, I mean, and they have to leave the bodies
0: up there it's insane yeah that's yeah Yeah. i can't even imagine climbing anything like that and And having to pass that that. or or even (laughs) even knowing it's like underneath and you're like okay people have literally a lot of people have passed away doing what i'm doing right now
1: yeah what am i doing (laughs) when they hit the 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 death zone where the oxygen level is below the saturation that you could keep up with it's like you're literally dying
2: uh when you're up
1: there and Knowing that, as you said, so many people are up there, it's just like, no, thank you, like why yeah. why are we doing this? Yeah, exactly.
0: We have helicopters now,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> oh man, that's amazing, yeah,
0: I think the thing that impresses me though, like I was never a great swimmer, I'm still not a good swimmer, and <laughs> so just imagining swimming a mile and a half, I don't think like I never even considered the sharks. Mm -hmm. my my mindset is just i can't believe you swam that far Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like i couldn't i don't think i could make it halfway i'd I'd need a life jacket for sure
1: yeah well (laughs) i mean it's uh they have a cutoff time because some people sign up for it and they send out about six emails leading up to it saying if you cannot go this far in this amount of time prior to this swim like please just bow out because yeah some people just want to do it to do it and say that they did it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Like when I do it, I, I'm competitively trying to get there as fast as possible, but um, yeah, it's just again, like repetition and playing and practicing. And I think that's where music has disciplined me the most is that if I don't have a solution to something, I know what proper steps to take to practice and to get there. Yeah. Whereas some some people just don't even know where to start or don't get started because it's too daunting Um, absolutely like looking at Everest you gotta take it one step at a time as opposed to going straight up there yeah Yeah,
0: for sure I mean that's that's interesting because I mean I'm not saying we've ever mountain climbed (laughs) but uh, we're, we're definitely hikers yeah and we like to go to some to me are pretty high peaks and stuff Mm -hmm. and being in california have you ever hiked in yosemite and stuff
1: no i haven't oh no remind me what area you guys are in again oh we're in toronto so we're flat everywhere
2: (laughs) we travel to hike (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. no i i haven't and so um yeah hiking has just never been my thing i like walks but yeah yeah, can't do it all (laughs) i'm bugging to go to yosemite
2: yeah
1: i've heard phenomenal things yeah yeah is that where uh, the one guy did the free solo? Free solo? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so my uh, my former boss, music supervised that her name's Tracy McKnight. Oh, wow. oh amazing. And I love there was that. original song at the end of that. But I saw that in IMAX, and that was one of those things where I had to oh. stand up during it to be like, this is insane, you know? Because it takes people like that who have don't have a, a regard for themselves uh, or their well-being to push boundaries and do crazy things like this you know i yeah. love it
0: what what's his name it's alex i think it's yeah, alex something it's alex think something think so. mm-hmm. oh man he i remember when we watched that too i was like i obviously don't want to free solo but i want to go there not yeah. not climb a face of a mountain but exactly. i want to i want to be around the area yeah. and be able to look at it <laughs> yeah oh man i love that yeah, yeah. oh um I guess, yeah. Last question. Um, Do you have any sort of advice to anybody coming up in the industry, whether it be uh, an instrumentalist or um,
1: someone coming up in in the business side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the most important things is to understand the landscape and what's going on. So it's really important to read the trades every day, whether it be Variety or Deadline or Hollywood Reporter or Billboard or Rolling Stone or any of those digital music news. There's um, some good blogs as well. Bob left to just get tuned in to know the landscape and who the movers and shakers are and the different deals that are being made. And even like five years ago, he wouldn't read a single article about publishing getting acquired from someone's catalog. And now that's really hot and Mm -hmm. the market's always changing and, companies are growing and consolidating and merging. And, you know, you have MGM and Amazon Studios. You have the emergence of Apple TV. You have the emergence of Netflix. You have Paramount Plus getting started. You have Peacock. You have HBO Plus. You have Disney, their streaming service. You have Hulu, uh, YouTube, uh, who had their originals, which really didn't take off. There's like all these different conglomerates and sectors that um, are just really important to learn about. And I think that reading at least the headlines once a day um, really helps get you there. And um, you could see one of the coolest things is in terms of any artist's career is that it's mostly likely already happened. So Mm. every marketing plan could be emulated in your budget depending on what you want to do um, and the, the blueprints there for anyone. Like you could see how anyone got their career launched. What was their big defining moment that put them in the spotlight? It could have been a bunch of cactus and a trumpet. Um, <laughs> it could be a, a YouTube video like Bieber. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with imitating it and putting your own twist on it, but there are certain parameters and things that you need to get set up to have success in the industry. And there's nothing wrong with like following in the footsteps of what other people have done. So, um, that's my advice.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. I, Cause yeah. I, I know a lot of people are maybe like they want to carve their own path. Yeah. And even with following, uh, the trails of success that other people have done, you're still carving your own path no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Like I think people have to realize that. And even the fact that, you mentioned um i don't want to say mainstream media but a lot of like the bigger magazines and stuff follow those because yeah there's just uh, there's just advice and um what's the word i'm looking for um
1: guidance guidance everywhere yeah Yeah. Yeah. i think
0: that's really cool and i think a lot of people try to say that oh they don't pay attention to mainstream stuff and i think it's really cool that you um go head first into it
1: maybe yeah yeah. I mean, I everyone wants so to blaze their own trail path and say, Oh, you sold out. It's like, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, don't when don't is, is success like a bad thing? You know, exactly.
2: for
0: sure. I love I mean, that. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
2: That's amazing.
0: Wow. Thank you for being on this. Yeah. I, of course.
1: Thank you love, guys. And I thank love, you again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love your outlook on everything and it's just inspiring to watch like over the last, what, three or four years, if the <laughs> you have just <laughs> the things that you've accomplished are just make me want to push so hard yeah oh, so it's great to hear. so inspiring and thank motivating. you yeah it's yeah. very motivating um and yeah for anybody listening I hope you look into Ryan's music uh his newest album uh to Elaine has been great and you should definitely listen to it and stream it and put it on your playlist and <laughs> save it and share it thank um, you and is it on Bandcamp?
1: It is not on Bandcamp. Well, you should put it on Bandcamp and people (laughs) should buy it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Have it everywhere, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely.
0: But yeah, thank you everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next episode.
1: Thank you guys.